and welcome to episode three of the Wrexham Legend Lounge podcast. This is getting harder for me to say week to week uh, with myself, Andrew Pollard as a host, and joining us today on episode three is Neil Wainwright. Wally, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, how are you doing, mate? I'm really good, Andy. Really good. A little bit of a, well, half day off. I'm working this evening, but yeah, I'm doing well, mate. I'm doing well. So you've sandwiched us in. Massively appreciated. No Mass- problem at all. Yeah, it's, there's a whole lot to get through with yourself. There's your time at Wrexham, which was relatively brief in the grand scheme of things in terms of the club and also your career, because you've gone to play for, I guess, another, what, probably 15 years after that. So we've got that to touch on. We'll touch about your time away from Wrexham. We'll touch about coaching. We'll touch about, um, well, there's a whole lot of questions coming in from Wrexham fans as well to get to. And there's some important food questions, which I'm, <laughs> I, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm a fan in the away right, but this is kind of, this is going to make or break it, I think, for me, one of these questions. No, just to, yeah. Yeah. We, you might not ever come on this again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and also we've got your your all-time Wrexham 11 which uh, yeah that's going to be interesting to get to that's that's probably the bit I'm looking forward to the most I think there's a few scribbles and a few re-putting names in and a few more scribbles so yeah we've uh, I think I'm set I think I'm set Tipex mate Tipex makes it look perfect then <laughs> Uh, just to say as well this is in association with Hill Street Social where we hope to get to soon in person uh, maybe not yourself Neil because you're up in Morecambe these days but you know when you're back in the area yeah fingers crossed hopefully I'll be get down there at some stage especially when uh, I have a game with the lads and stuff so yeah that'd be good be good yeah um, I'd just say this is the the Wrexham legends are a, a group of former players uh, organized by John P.D. Morris, who before the pandemic will get together once every month, once every two months to play games, uh, to raise uh, chari- well, to raise money for local charities, for, for causes, and also to provide some support for, for local football teams. So all being well before the year's out, or hopefully by the end of the summer, maybe we'll be able to get back to playing some games. I know there's a few um, irons in the fires as to, to friendlies, which should be great just to get back out there playing, I guess, really. Um, and speaking of John P.D. Morris, you might not know the name, but he's the guy who created the Wrexham Legends. And episode two of this podcast is now out, which he is uh, the guest on, just to give it a brief rundown of, of uh, putting together the Legends, why you put the Legends group together, uh, the reasons behind it. And also he picked his all-time Wrexham 11 with a really random back four made up of three left-backs. Um, and episode one, of course, is available. Mark McGregor, who was on that, that's that can be found on YouTube at Wrexham Legends Lounge Podcast and also on the usual podcast podcast feeds which they're slowly dripping out to you now but Neil Wainwright right after I've got all that bump out of the way wind it back in um your time at Wrexham it's it's a nuts one because I remember you coming into the team and it was like this whirlwind of we, we've had I mean Craig Skinner and Martin Chopin playing on the wing and we on the Brian Flynn we'd had that formation where it was almost three central midfielders um so we'd have Wardy would be a little bit more left but tucked in rather than that as a winger and so it was just a lot of it was just focused on the right. And then you broke in in what, 97, 98 season. And then it was really good. And then it was almost over before it even got going. It was it was strange. It was just like this really mad time where I, I think in total, I, I, I had looked through small programs and it was nine starts, 13 appearances in total, three goals. Um, I think it was a, la- a, a last minute or late winner on your debut coming off the bench against Blackpool, possibly. Um it was just, it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, how was it when you look back at this when, because Rexford fans still hold you in such high regard, even though it was only, I guess, two years as a pro, really, one year in, well, half a season in the first team, because then you got injured towards the end of that year and moved to Sunderland. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was four years in total. So obviously two years as an, as an apprentice and then two years as a pro. Um, and you always look at, so I, I, I came, I wasn't part of the Rexham youth setup. Uh, before being an apprentice, so I was at Crew up until I was sort of sixteen, and 
I was really small. Um, so they weren't really taking a chance on me at that stage. And Mike Buxton came in and then kind of the rest was history, really, as far as that goes. But um, for me, it was, it, it, it's exactly to describe it, really. That sort of six-month period was just a, an, an absolute whirlwind for me. It was the, the debut, I couldn't, I couldn't have picked a better debut. Um, didn't think I was even going to be on the bench because only three subs. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm going on. I think I came on for, for Rooster, I think. Um, with about 15 minutes to go, we won nil down, and uh, fairy tale winner in, in the last minute uh, away at Blackpool. So from there on in, it kind of it just got more and more sort of unbelievable. Really, I still I still look at that sort of game and go. Throughout my whole career, I've had some really really good moments, really high moments, really low moments. But that for me is still the best moment I've had in my, in my whole career, scoring that first goal in the last minute and getting mobbed by the lads and. Just that sort of almost recognition in my head to go. Do you know what? I'm I'm here now. Can yeah. I can I stay? Is a, is a big question after that. Yeah. yeah. What's that feeling like? Is something that I'll never get to. Well, I'm, I'm well past it now. I'm retired. My knees fell out. <laughs> I never quite made never quite made the grade. But it's something that most fans uh, of the club or any club, uh, any football fans really, will get to experience. But what's that feeling like? Where okay, you've been in in and around the first team, but the moment that you get told like right, it's Blackpool away. On whatever on a Tuesday night or a Saturday afternoon, and there's ten minutes left, and you get the call from Brian Flame. Where right, Neil, you're going on. How do you get even get time to process it, or is it just again whirlwind? It's strange, really, because what happened was I was kind of involved in in a lot of squads, but again, going back to the three subs, I was almost like not a sub, but always always travelling sort of thing. So I was in a fair few squads, and then I think it was yeah, it was 28th of December. So my mum and dad literally went to every single game when I was growing up as an apprentice, as a young pro, reserves, everything. Um, I think my nan was over for Christmas and I said, ah, don't bother coming all the way to Blackpool. Just look after me now and have a good, have a good day and all that. So, because I'm not going to get on. I'm not going on yet. I'm not even on the bench yet. Lo and behold, I'm named on the bench and <laughs> mum and dad never let me forget it. Really did seeing that 89th minute winner from Wainwright come up on, on CFAT. <laughs> but um, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, Again, just weird. Again, it was kind of like, right, here I am um, on the bench. Uh, didn't think I was going to get on. 15 minutes to go, get called over. Um, not really much advice, really. I think Joey just said, go and be a hero. I think that's that's, that's all he said. I think I can't even remember what, what um, Brian or Kev might have said at the time. But yeah, Joey said, go and be a hero. And, and fortunate enough for me, I, I managed to get the winner. And again, it's all that bit was just as you say the whirlwind's a great great description of it really yeah really, really that's, that's brilliant that, Joey that's like that's all any player needs especially at Wrexham it's just to hear Joey Jones kind of a quick arm around you of like go on go meet yourself a hero it's like it's stuff of dreams that's it I mean I, and again um, obviously I watched Macca's podcast and, and how highly he spoke of Joey and, and Joey was, was, was great for me as well in, in, in many aspects um, I came I, I would imagine I came through as kind of a a soft, maybe sensitive young, young, young player. And Joey's got this knack of being able to look after you and have that arm around you, but also toughen you up at the same time, which was, which I think is a, a really, really good talent to have. And I don't think many coaches I've certainly worked with, with have got it. I mean, the, the times he took me to the gym and um, tried to make me a little bit stronger and I couldn't even brush my hair by the end of the session. <laughs> to, um to the times he's played behind me in, in reserve games and friendlies um, as, as a left back with me being left wing, which I, 
you're playing games like that and you almost learn sort of 20 games worth of uh, progression and, and, and learning about the game because you've got someone who's, who's been there and done it at the highest level and you've got so much respect for. So it, within that sort of period of time, so many people helped me at Wrexham, but yeah, Joey, Joey was always the one that was uh, always, always the honesty of it. I think the honesty of sort of Joey working with you. I think it, it just uh, it makes it makes you feel ten foot tall when he's when he's praising you, and and you know you, you you're not up to scratch when he's when he's telling you not to as well. Yeah, I mean, you said, you mentioned there about how a lot of the time you play predominantly off the left at that point, but. And Joey would play as a left back, but when you're lining up, say in training, um, yeah. how's it? Obviously, you'd be on different sides of the pitches normally, but the times you were up against Joey, how's that as like a a 17 year old smallish winger against this kind of tough as nails, being there, seen it all, will happily, even though you're one of his players, will happily go in on you just to, like you said, maybe to toughen you up. Yeah, don't go near him. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's um, again. As I think Macca mentioned, it, we we used to do young v old and stuff, and it was kind of just like um, don't don't annoy the staff who you're playing against. Basically, yeah, you want to win these games as as a young team, but don't annoy the staff. But no, it's it, it's just great. It's just it's great being in that environment with 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 staff like that. Obviously, um, the three staff we had at the time played football at the highest level, so so the respect's there straight away and. And not just as a pro, but as, as an apprentice there as well, and just coming through the ranks. And um, it's, uh, it, it makes that sort of transition a lot easier when, when you do go from sort of apprentice to, to first team because Joey was always in and around the youth team and, 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 and the apprentices as well. So it wasn't as if there was like a, a big divide like, like, like at some clubs potentially, certainly nowadays. Yeah. Were you always confident that because... I mean, at times we've seen over the years, even back then, it, it was a case of there could be young players that were maybe good enough, but they didn't get that chance in the first team. But were you always confident with Wrexham that if you could prove your ability in training, you get a chance? Because, I mean, at that point in time, we, we'd shown that under Brian Flynn, we'd shown that we were prepared to blood young players. Uh, Neil Roberts would be in the, the squad at that point in time. Mark McGregor, you talked about Gareth Owen had come through the ranks, Wayne Phillips, Lee Jones, Chris Armstrong, Steve Watkin, Phil Hardy, um, Wayne. Um, I guess we got Darren Brace from Norwich, young but then he went kind of straight into the first team so we'd we'd shown at that point we were more than willing to give the kids as it were that that, yeah. that chance to prove himself I guess back then I didn't I kind of didn't really think about it in that sort of respect I think you look at it and you you obviously got your goals and you want to break through to that first team but I, I certainly wouldn't have said I was confident of of, of getting a look because of, of of past players again probably at that age I probably we lacked in a little bit of confidence at times, and 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 so certainly when when things went well, that was sort of the, the time you go. Do you know what? I've got I've got half a chance here, and then you just keep plugging away and just keep working, really, which is which is kind of how I've tried to sort of live my life, really. But um, yeah, that an interesting one was um, just the the transition for training was really good. So so at the club at Morecambe at the minute, so we train at different venues, whereas when I was at Wrexham, we we train mostly together, whether it be Lindis Farm, whether it be down at Lex or whatever it would be. Um, and youth team would be one place, the first team would be the other, and they'd, they'd call a player over. So my first look at first team training was just, I think they probably had a man down. He's doing well over there. Let, let's bring him over and have a little go. And, and all of a sudden you're going, man, you know what? Well, let's see if I can show him what, what I can do. And um, and that's, again, the whole progression and the whole sort of, help from the staff was, was, was really good for young players at that time. And, and I think that's kind of a byproduct of why so many players got a chance in the team. 
Yeah, and you were you were kind of in and around the the first team squad, I guess, for the what? Uh, let me work it back. 96, 97, uh, year we we missed out on the playoffs by four points. Got to the FA, got quarterfinals, beat West Ham, beat Birmingham, mm-hmm. beat Peterborough. Um, and then went out to Chesterfield. And then you the the year you got your breakthrough into actually playing in the first team, uh, getting minutes on the pitch was the the year we missed out on the playoffs by goal difference. What what was the mood like around that? I guess at that time, because they were really, I was talking to, to Mark McGregor about this, but they were really successful times for Exum. In At the time, they were successful. In hindsight, they were even more successful. But I don't think the fans, we really appreciate that at the time. Um, whereas now, obviously, we're what in, in the National League for 12 seasons running, and you're thinking, man, we were so close to going up to what would now be the, the championship. So yeah. was it a disappointing move, or could you appreciate at the time the achievements that you, you'd kind of got as a as a squad, as a club? No, it's, I think it was exciting. Certainly, it's it's more exciting when there's sort of more, more of a um, what's the best way to describe it? more of a more of a spectacle because of the FA Cup because we're doing so well in the FA Cup. I think you kind of find it uh, special. The games, obviously, as you say, against West Ham. I, I always remember. I'm sure, I was probably in Prentice at the time when when Kizza scored against Ipswich at home. Um, yeah. I think it was a ball boy. I, I remember it um, quite well, and it's. It's those moments where you're going, you know what, you just get caught up in the moment all the time. But then afterwards you're going, you know what, this is class, this is brilliant. As a, as a young player and as I'm sure as a fan as well, you're going, wow, these are great times going to Old Trafford, um, scoring goals at Old Trafford, even though you don't, don't come away with the win. What, what day out that was for the fans. I think we, we travelled as well with the fans in the, in, in the fans' end at the time. Um, and it was it was brilliant. Great experience for us. Um, and then, as you say, the quarter-final and... Um, the years that followed and, and and just missing out just on the playoffs it was difficult but it's it's times like that where you go do you know what what a good side and again looking back on a team I've picked it's like some good players some really really good players um, and and I, I think you're probably right in, in a respect you, you do tend to forget that certainly at the time or, or on reflection yeah yeah it was it, it is it's I, i'm watching watching some older footage that um i think it's rob clark uh he's a rex fan he's a lovely fella um who he's uploaded onto youtube in the last couple of weeks it seems um just a load of like 90s season reviews so like you get the whole what the the vhs the video take that would have come out at the time for like 90 minutes two hours you just get to watch it all and it's like the football's great the players are great um the, the subs are great like everything is just yeah, I think there's there was a lot of it at the time where the fans we didn't quite appreciate it. My excuse was I was young, so yeah. But I, I, it's it not was just, a great not just time. players as well. It was a team full of great characters as well. So you yeah. had all sorts of different different dynamics within the dressing room, and I think that's sometimes that helps helps the team as well. Um, you had no sort of shrinking violets in there, yeah. Um, and everyone had sort of that determined mindset to to go and win football matches, which is uh, again that's massive. What was refreshing when you started to get games in the first team as as a fan at that point was, like I said, you were predominantly a left winger then. And it was, I touched on it earlier, like we had this, Brian Flynn had the, the thing at the time where it was mainly three centre midfielders and then either Martin Chalk or Craig Skinner on the right. And I remember me and my mates being, because it was like a, a running joke of like, it, I mean, it was effective. It was a great formation that worked, but it was a running joke of like, oh yeah, here we go, about three centre mids and one winger. And when you came into the team, it was this genuine excitement of we're going to play with two wingers here. And it never really happened. It seemed like it was like, no, we'll just play Wally on the left and we'll choke you or Craig Skinner there on the bench sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like for you? Because it's it was a it was a strange formation. Like I said, it was really effective and 
we had so many great centre midfielders. Uh, I guess at that point you had your mix of of Peter Ward, Kevin Russell, uh, Dave Brammer, Yozza the, the season before that, uh, Gareth Owen, uh, Wayne Phillips around at the time. So we had a lot of centre midfielders. You can understand wanting to get as many of them in, in the team as possible. But I was that for you to play with just one winger, which would be yourself. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think um, on, on one respect, if, if there's only one winger and you're trying to get it wide, they're only going to come my side. So um, in theory, you get more, more more ball than I would normally with, with two wings on the pitch. Um, I think at one stage, sort of, um, Flynn gave me the licence to, to switch wings when I wanted as well. Um, obviously, as long as I let the, the three midfield players know at the time. <laughs> um, but I think I, I remember sort of Wardy saying at the time, because obviously I had a bit of pace, Sometimes when we're under the cosh, it's great for me to go, do you know what? I'm just going to turn and just, just put it in the corner for you to chase after. Um, and, and I would, I'd, I'd, I'd run willingly all day, really. But no, the formation was was great and you had some really good players in there who could... Because what you need in a, in a formation like that, if, you, if you're not sort of balanced off the, the opposite side, is that you need you need legs in there. And obviously you had legs with, uh, with Gareth Owen and, and Wayne Phillips and... And, and Rooster when they played as well. And, and Wardy was the one sort of orchestrating all that. Yeah. And, and which of the lads from that group do you keep in touch with the most in the years since you left Wrexham? Um, I guess um, it depends, really. I see I see with, with me playing and, and then coaching and stuff, you'd, you'd see certain players down the years and within football and stuff. So um, probably a little bit younger than that, Steve Thomas. I ended up playing with Steve Thomas at, um, at Darlington. Um, Always see Robbo at various times uh, when he was working at Manchester City and, and obviously when he was playing and stuff. Um, Mark McGregor, I touch base with him when he was at Burnley and stuff. But again, it's difficult to keep in touch when you're sort of on, on the move and, and sort yeah. of the time I left as well when there was no mobile phones. And stuff. Exactly <laughs> so what I was thinking then. Like, it would be hard. Texting and you're not, so it was difficult really because it was, again, it was... Um, not want to jump ahead or anything, but my kind of my my move then was massive for me because it took me away from where I was living. It took me away from sort of the the my teammates who had grown up with and stuff. So it was um it wasn't it was an interesting one for me. But um yeah, it's it that's what I like about the legends team. To be fair, it's getting everyone together. I mean, I've only played one so far at Mold, but um it was great to see the lads. It really was. It, it, it was brilliant because you, you you never lose that banter. Even 20 years on, the, the, the banter's the same, probably a little bit better now. We're all a bit older as well. So it's... Um, I don't know. I've, I've seen some of that banter. I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's better or not. <laughs> the same the same banter recycled over the years probably, but it's funnier now, I think. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you, you're like, you're, it's 20 years older and you're thinking, oh God, as if I did that back then. When you're getting all these things brought up and, and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I, I again... Going back to when I was sort of that age, I was really I was quite a quiet lad, quite a quiet player, and um, so it's good for me to now. Obviously, when I've grown up, I've gone out Michelle a lot more. <laughs> it's it's good to get involved a lot more with that sort of banter when I see the boys. But no, it really was good. I was a little bit nervous as well coming to that first Legends game to see the see the, see all the lads. But no, when I got there, it was brilliant, really great, really great set of boys as well as you know from obviously even the WhatsApp group that we've got. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, that, that, that's the way to put it. Um, it's definitely the, interesting. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, the, well, the, the, the move did come to Sunderland at the end of that 97-98 season, although you you remember rightly you missed uh, the chunk of the end of the season because was it a hamstring injury, I think, at the time? Or? Yeah, it was It was a weird one because we, um, we played Burnley, I think, on the Tuesday when Gareth Owen went in goal. Ah, yes, for the game. <laughs> and... Um, me and Delboy played down the left-hand side and, and, and Burnley's pitch at that time 
down one side, I think sort of was it the main stand side. It was um, it was like it was just full of sand um, for that time of the season. So it must have had a big effect on me and me and Delboy because on the Saturday I think he came off about three minutes before our time with a hamstring, and then two minutes later I've gone on a run, cut inside, gone past someone, and I felt a big jab in the back of my leg and I'm thinking I turned round I've hit the floor I turned round and there's no one near me and I'm thinking what, what, what's going on here I've never really been injured before and it felt like someone had, had stood in me in the back of the leg but no hamstring had gone um, and uh, not one of my favourite injuries could give me a few problems in, in, the, in the following couple of years but no it was uh, I think I got back for the last last couple of games I think Preston I was on the bench for Preston and Southend I think the last yeah. couple of games. But when did it kind of become apparent that there was a chance to leave that well I guess when Sunderland had come in or was there any other interest before then or around the same time was it just a case of you get a call from I guess Price Griffiths at the time maybe or Brian Flynn whatever to say right we've got enough from Sunderland what do you think? Well there was there was rumours um, when we played I think it was Fulham at home so we played Fulham at home um, oh no I think it was Bristol Rovers Bristol Rovers at home it was um, and uh I think Peter Reid was in the crowd um, and there was a, a rumour going round. Or he, I think it was even in the paper that he, he was supposedly watching me. I didn't believe it for a second um, because Jamie Curitan, who I think is still playing now. I think oh, playing. yeah, yeah. Pretty prolific yeah. For the, over the years. Yeah, exactly. And, and he was playing and he was doing really well. So I was saying to my dad, yeah, no chance. He'll be coming to watch Curitan. He won't be coming to watch me. I've only played a few games. Now. I don't think I'll. So it wasn't, it wasn't even in my thoughts, really. Um, and then... Um, it sort of transpired. Andy, Andy Murray had a little chat with me to sort of say um, his agent had been on to him to say that there'd been interest from Sunderland and, and what have you. And um, again, that's kind of all I've really heard about it, really. The, um, it was a couple of games to go. Andy persuaded me to meet with the agent and me sort of said, well, Sunderland interested, if you want to sign with me. And, and so me, me, me and my dad and, and my mum, we, we, we were quite non-committal about it, really. We did, didn't want to sign any contract with agents or anything like that. Um, but then it sort of went from there, really. I think I, I think it was in the summer that the call came. I'd been to Spain with the family, so I literally got home. And again, going back to no, no mobile phones, um, we'd been in the house half an hour, and the, and the house phone rang, and it was Bryce Griffiths, and sort of said we've accepted an offer from Sunderland, um, and uh, we want to wish you all the best if, you, if you're going to accept. And I was kind of like, well, wow. Um, <laughs> it's actually happening. Um, yeah. So then after that, um, I managed. I, I didn't know anything about sort of contracts or anything like that. Um, I didn't know what I would have been worth or what I needed to ask for. So I ended up going with with the agent Andy had, had spoke about. And then on my way up there to Sunderland to sign, um, Newcastle were on the phone. Because apparently, again, uh, unbeknownst to me, they, they'd been in and asked if they... Um, I don't know whether they asked the club or they were interested certainly in, in taking me on, on a couple of weeks trial. Um, me being a Liverpool fan, Kenny Dalglish was, was in charge. Right. Okay. So I'm on the, I'm on the way up to Sunderland in the car with, with this new agent who I don't really know that well. Um, and, uh, the phone rings, it's Kenny Dalglish on the phone. <laughs> I'm sat in the car with my dad, both massive Liverpool fans saying, um, we've heard Sunderland's interest before we've heard, um, there's a big coming blah 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 um we'd like to we'd like to take him now we'd like to sign him but before we put a bid in he's interested 
So it was a brief conversation with my dad to say, do you know what? Sunderland one kind of fits. They were in first. Um, we're going to go with that. Um, and it was tough. To, but I can always say it, I turned down Kenny Dalglish, which is, which is like like you're, you and Roy Keane, I think, are the two people I've ever heard that said no to Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's unbelievable. Again, my, my hero growing up was John Barnes. And I think John Barnes was there at the time as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we kind of weighed up this kind of 40 odd pros there and yeah, no reserve team. So it was kind of like this is our sort of best opportunity. But it was, um, it was weird. It was weird sort of leaving as well because again I've been there since 16 at Wrexham and I had nothing but good times really obviously had a few lows when you when you're not playing so well or not in a team or the odd little injury here and there but generally my time there was fantastic and um the fans could have been better to me when when I was playing it was brilliant um but I think there was kind of a kind of a suggestion at the time because I remember when I was at Darlington sort of kind of years later we went on the Isle of Man trip and on the ferry on the way over, there's a few Wrexham fans. A few of them started giving me a bit of stick for right. for right left and saying I was greedy and, and this and that. And it was never money was never in, never in my head at all. I mean, again, people who know me now that probably will definitely say the same. Certainly, um, I took pay cuts at Darlington because I enjoyed it there just to stay there yeah. as well. Uh, further on in my career, and it was it was always all about. And suddenly I've come in. Oh my god, this is such a big club. I want to play at the top level as much as I can. And if I turn this down now, what if I don't get the opportunity again? So it's kind of like this is what I've been dreaming of. My first one was to be a professional footballer, amazing. But if I get this opportunity, I can't really turn it down. And yeah, I was on more money at Sunderland than there was at Wrexham. Yeah, that's a byproduct of it, but it was never, never about that. And it was, it was bittersweet sort of going at that time, especially with it being in the summer with not being able to sort of say thank you to coaches and, and say goodbye and stuff. And um, I felt there was a little bit of sort of from the fans, a little bit of, oh, why do you have to go so so early? And well, I only, as I say, only really saw that a few years later when I was, when I was, at, uh, when I was at Darlington, which it took me a little bit by surprise, really. Because again, that's not me. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not the way I, I, I live my life, so. I, mean, I think for some context, it's at this point, this was Sunderland who were in the first division, which now were championship. They The year before, I think it was they lost the playoffs was to Charlton maybe. And then the year after when you signed was when they got promoted yeah. with that 105 points to the Premier League. Yeah, I watched, I think I watched, um, I watched the playoff final. I think it was against Charlton. I think it was 4-4 or something. Um, yeah, I think that was the Clive Mendonca got the hat-trick possibly, it, yeah. if I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and and someone lost on penalties, and that was kind of when sort of the rumor mill was about that they were potentially interested. So I had a bit of interest in that, and that's kind of like mm, yeah. And then and then when the when the call came from from Ice Griffiths, it was kind of like well, that fits better as with them being in the championship because hopefully I'll get a better chance. Um, yeah. And uh, and as I say, it was again we spoke about whirlwind before. It was it was a whirlwind again, just an, another level of it because again these. The sort of players I sort of grew up as an apprentice with at Wrexham, all of a sudden I'm in a team with you, like see Gareth Owens and 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 Carl Connolly and and Gary Bennett and, and Tony Humes and people like this who who again you look up to, and then all of a sudden I'm then thrown into another level of sort of player, and again I kind of I, I think I froze a little bit when I went up there. Just to go, do you know what? Oh my God, these players are in this dressing room. Because again, as I mentioned before, I wasn't really the most outgoing of kids at the time. Um, and 
life life helps you along the way with that, doesn't it? <laughs> with uh, sort it does. It social does. social maturity and however, but I was I was twenty year old and I was quite socially not immature, but certainly not um, confident in my own self. Um, so going there off the back of a sort of hamstring injury wasn't right either. And then being in that dressing room was was a little bit daunting, really. Definitely daunting. I'd use use the word, but um, again, people always say. I speak to some sort of Wrexham fans in the past and said, would you have done anything different? And part of me goes, do you know what? It would have been nice to play at Wrexham for another two or three years and then moved on. But then the other part of me goes, do you know what? We're all a product of our decisions in our life. And I'm happy with who I am and I'm happy with with with, with what I've done in, in football. And it's it's been a it's been a cracking ride, to be fair. Well, I, I think it was a lot of we, I think we were used as fans. We were used to at that point, and and the years before, and, and I guess years since, where because even though you we came in at sixteen and been at Crew before, um, yeah. Warrington born, but I believe uh, grew up in Mould in Sugden, um, yeah. just down the road from Buckley. Obviously, not quite as as good as Buckley. Uh, yeah, Buckley Town, <laughs> Bistry, Bulldockers, Bistry, and uh, and Buckley. Uh, junior I, played, football. I, played, I played for uh, Buckley and Bistry of a Sunday. For Did a you? About 12, 13, yeah. I think mine my, my was up to about the, the heavy heights of like under 15s, I think I got to there. <laughs> that, that was it. Um, but I think people saw you coming through as this kid into the Wrexham first team and just presumed you'd been at Wrexham all the way through, were, were kind of a Wrexham born and bred. And we were used to seeing those young players like that stick around for for a good few years, like Gareth Owen came through and, and ended yeah. up staying for what, over a decade. Or we had Wayne that came through and played for probably six years, maybe before he got his move. Um, there was only, I think, Chris Armstrong, that was one where he left a little bit earlier. But the, we were used to seeing those young players coming through, Steve Watkin, uh, another example, where they came through uh, and they stayed. And sometimes they'd stay until they were 30. Um, sometimes they'd stay for five or six years. And with yourself, it was like, oh, he's... Neil Wainwright's in the first team. We've heard all about this kid in the in the programs from seeing the reserves games and whatnot. And then it was, like I said earlier, it was over before it even began. It was just a bit of a a shock. But I don't remember any Wrexham fans that I knew uh, of my age anyway that were annoyed at you. But I do remember there was a lot of beef uh, Andy Marriott's way because there was the well, he, he's tapped him up there. He's he's got he's got a hold of this young kid and he's 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 talking to Sunderland. No, as I say, there, there was kind of. I guess an element of that with Andy, but no, not really. He just made me aware of kind of that this might be happening. There was sort of the rumor mill and his agent and let him know this and that. And yeah. again, to to sort of play devil's advocate for Andy, he's he's thinking he's he's not getting anything out of it himself. He's he, he's trying to sort of I don't know, just kind of look out for me. Do you know what? This young lad, there's, there's, there's an opportunity for him to go elsewhere here. Whether that's a detriment to Wrexham Football Club or not at the time he's, he's sort of going you know what he's got a chance and I want, kind of want to help him yeah um, I'm sure I'm sure the, the the flip side of that is I'm sure there's I, I never signed a, I never I never signed a contract with the agent I never ever signed a contract with any agent within my career um, I would imagine now having the knowledge of, of, of being in football for so long I would imagine that um, it was probably tasked by um Sunderland for him to come and get me or even working on behalf of whoever rather than be on, on behalf of me in, in terms of getting me to Sunderland but again I don't know the ins and outs of all sorts of that agent stuff I stay, I've stayed clear of all um, as I say throughout my career if I can if I can do sort of my own contract myself I've, I've, I've tried to do that down the years but again I just wasn't capable of that at that age I mean yeah, I didn't yeah. know enough about football and it was um, there was a few 
bits and bobs where it was kind of like I was advised not to sign a contract because otherwise um, someone would have to pay more uh, if they came in for me and stuff. And it was it was it, it wasn't a nice time for me that um, when the, when the move finally went through, it was kind of like oh that's brilliant and stuff. But yeah, it's kind of like I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't, and I didn't. I didn't have the knowledge. My dad didn't have the knowledge of football to go, do you know what, we're going to do this. We were just taking advice off, off, off someone else. Um, and the move came across really, really well, but it just came at, at a time where it was kind of like, do you know what, it would have been nicer to leave having the deal had been done if, if someone had come in earlier on in the season and I'd have been able to play for Wrexham for the last few games, everyone knowing I was going, and everyone, the staff knowing I was going, the players knowing I was going, the fans, and then all of a sudden it would have been a nicer way to go but yeah uh, yeah that's that's kind of the only thing I've got not regret but because I never had, had control of it but certainly one where I go you know if it was different I'd like that to have happened yeah well uh, yeah it was you were, you said that you were 20 at the time the move happened and it's uh just I guess logistically it's a big move just to move for anybody to move from having grown up in the northwest or or Warrington area mold area to then move to the northeast of Sunderland so did your family move up with you at the time or did you just go up there on your own or I mean I don't know maybe with Andy Marriott or what was no well well Andy I don't think Andy came till Andy didn't come till later on in the in the preseason I don't think did he yeah. did he sign that season yeah he signed that season um, when I looked into it but it seemed like he signed a month or six weeks or so after yourself. Yeah, so no, no, it, there was there was nothing with Andy because again, and Andy's a nice nice guy, but we were ne- we were never sort of close because the, the dynamic in the in the Wrexham dressing room. I just come to, as I say just through the youth team. He's an established pro, so there was never sort of that relationship with me and Andy anyway. But no, I moved up um, with with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Um, had to pop the question because we're moving up, didn't I, Andy? So that was the uh, that was, at twenty. Oh, bold. Yeah, I was married at 22, to be fair. So, okay. yeah, um, we, uh, so we moved up together. I initially stayed in a, in a hostel with the, um, the Sunderland youth players for um, and a few young pros for a, for a couple of months before my house deal went through. Um, I actually roomed, <laughs> roomed in bunk beds with uh, Paul Heckenbottom, <laughs> who I ended up playing with at Darlington later on. I was with yeah. Sunderland at Sunderland with, and now he's, uh, he's, he's interim at Sheffield United. Isn't he? he is, yeah. He's done all right for himself. Yeah. I know that he was, he was Leeds and Hibs earlier on as well in his career manager. So, no, he's done really well. Nice lad as well. But yeah. um, but he was. It was it was mad. Back to mobile phones again. Um, I got given one, and it was I was like, oh, my God, I've got a mobile phone. And no one's a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> no one's, there was nothing on it. There was, it was, it was about that big. Um, not quite Del Boy, but it was, um, it was all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is unbelievable. This, um, but the whole thing was, it was, it was, it was so different to what I was used to. Um, even in the hostel with, with the young players, a lot of them Irish boys from, that signed for sort of some of the new team and stuff, it was different for me. And then, Moving into my own house because I never, I never drove by that. I could never pass my test till I was late, till I was older. I didn't, I didn't bother learning until I was twenty-four. So it was all like this mad sort of time in my life where it was like so many things thrown at me. It was, it was, it was crazy, really. Yeah. Um. What was, what was the kind of proposition put your advice on them when you obviously you were there, you were brought in? Was it a case of we're gonna, I don't know, we're gonna give you a, a crack in the reserves or whatever for a year or two, and then look for the first team, or were they? it was Peter Reid in charge at the time or was it a case of right we're yeah, buying we, you with a view to giving you a shot in the first team this year 
Yeah, it was Reedy, and he was, to be fair to him, I mean, there was no promises made and there was no sort of plan set out for me, but when I sort of signed, he did say, listen, if you if you do well enough, um, you'll play. It's as simple as that. Um, just so happened at the time, I think, Nicky Summerby was on the right wing and Alan Johnston was on the left wing, and they were fantastic. They had, so they had that first season I was there in the Championship, they, they, were, they were unplayable. Um, and um, And again my opportunity sort of came in the cup and I did well. I did well in the games. The first one I was, I was okay. My first game, I think it was York away in a league cup game. I sort of played about 20 minutes and um, only got a few touches. There wasn't much going on, but I felt like in the other games that I played in, in the cup, I did, I did as, as well as I could have done. One in particular, Walsall, I did really well in it and at home. So it was that, that where I was going, do you know what? It's, it's going all right. But th that first season killed me off a little bit because around about November, I was doing really well. Um, as I say, playing a couple of cup games. Um, we played Preston in a, in a reserve game. I scored a hat-trick. Um, really came in next day, buzzing off me, telling everyone about my hat-trick and so, all, all this sort of stuff. Um, and then I think either the game after or two games after, I think we played Manchester United. So any sort of bigger game, like the United or Liverpool reserve games were played at the stadium and the Newcastle games because they got decent crowds. So... Um, my hamstring went again for the, obviously the second time um, and that put me out. I think it was, it was December that I did it and I don't think I played properly for the rest of that season. I, I tried to come back three times and it just kept tearing at different parts of the same hamstring. Um, so it killed me off a little bit and it, it really, really set me set me back quite a bit. Um, I ended up seeing a chiropractor, an over-rotated hip that was putting more pressure on one side of uh, my body than the other um, and once that got sorted I was alright but that was a major thing for me because obviously I was quick it was the biggest part of my game was, yeah. was my pace and, and I, if my hamstring is giving me problems when you come back from a hamstring you don't know whether it's right so you almost don't go full speed and me not going full speed again it's, it's, it's not my game then so it was um, it was difficult and then obviously in the summer he went into the Premier League and I think he bought I think he bought Carsten Frenkard from Denmark for 1.6 million, the winger. I think he bought John Oster from Everton, uh, again, for over a million, another winger. I think a little bit later on, he bought Kevin Kilban, another winger. Uh, and, only, and only Alan Johnson departed. So it was kind of like, I'm really down the pecking order here. But you, you could understand why, because I've been out injured and clubs can't stand still to wait for people to come through, even if they think they've got a bit of promise. And then after that, I kind of near... Yeah, more, a few more cup appearances, but never really got a look in after that. It was difficult. Um, and obviously, back to what I was saying earlier on about me being daunted, I never really sort of backed myself to go, do you know what, I'm better than these. Whereas now I think I would. Yeah. And what was it like being around Sunderland at that time? Because that was, you talked about that championship season where I think it was 105 points they got and they, I, I don't know if they won it by more than 20 points or nearly 20 points, but it was it was a dominant win for that side. And Kevin yeah. Phillips bagged a shed load of goals, Niall Quinn the same. Uh, how was it like to be around those players? Because I, I, I like to, I think of the, the Wrexham side you play with, that's one of my favourite teams to ever watch. But yeah. I, I mean, taking my Wrexham tinted glasses off, that's a step above. That's a step up when you've got yeah. Kevin Phillips, you've got Niall Quinn. How was it to watch players like that um, in and around the squad? Uh, just that, well, players of that quality. Yeah, it was, again, it was daunting because of that, I think, because you, you're thinking, oh, my God, I've seen these players play on the telly and um, do I deserve to be in this dressing room? Am I, am I good enough to be in this dressing room? 
But then the other side going, do you know what? These players are fantastic and learn loads. Um, Mickey Gray as well. Mickey Gray got an England cap when I yeah. was there. Um, Thomas Sorensen, goalkeeper, he ended up over 100 caps, 100 caps for Denmark. Stefan Schwartz came in at one point where I remember being in Denmark on a pre-season trip and there was rumours we were we were signing Stefan Schwartz. And I was like, not a chance we signing Stefan Schwartz. Been at Arsenal, Fiorentina. And they ended up signing probably about three days later. And it was like, oh my God, I was, I was, I was literally starstruck and Steph's a lovely fella as well and it was um, the time it was it was it was great I mean the, the, the championship season it was just the only thing for me was obviously there was a bit of me going like when last game of the season when you played the trophy and stuff and then we, we went on an open top bus tour which was amazing so many thousands of people turned out around Sunderland and you enjoy it but you don't enjoy it as much because you're not a major part of it so you go in do you know what I'm, I'm kind of on the outside looking in this is amazing but would have loved to have been in there doing it and it'd be, be actually my success yeah which is, which is kind of a little bit of a difficult thing but then the Premier League ride was amazing um, Kevin Phillips I, I was I speaking to someone the other day about this I think his feat of scoring 30 goals in the Premier League for, for a team like Sunderland who, who finished seventh um, and he got the European Golden Shoe is is a feat that's not talked about much, but that's it's. I find that remarkable. It's amazing. It's an amazing yeah. achievement that for such so, a player, especially when you think of like the strikers who were around at that time in the Premier League and for yeah. him to yeah. go and do that. Um, yeah. I was thought with Ken Phillips. I mean, I'm a Wrexham Wales fan, but just from an England perspective, it always felt like he should have got. More. I know, obviously, there was a lot of great English strikers around at that point in time. And Mr. Alan Shearer for a, for a start, but I always thought like Ken Phillips. If I was an England fan, I'd be wanting to get a bit more of a look in. Really, it seems to never quite happen for him. Yeah, it's. I guess it's for, for Kev. It was as you say. It's just the quality that was around there at the time. You had what did you have? Shearer, Sheringham, um, Andy Cole. I guess Les Ferdinand still Cole, at that point. Yeah, Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler yeah, Fowler as well. Yeah, Michael Owen, Emil Heskey. <laughs> you can just keep reeling them off. But yeah, Kev was Kev was fantastic, and and again, really nice guy. Kev really down to earth. Um, I see him now and again. On the on travels with football, I think he was at Derby at one point. Not sure if he's still there. And uh, his lads play. One of his lads was at Rochdale. So, but no, he's a great lad, fantastic player. I always remember the volley he scored against Chelsea at Stadium. Like absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, he, a little as you say, a little unfortunate not to get more England caps. But again, if he's in a in a different era or or three or four years later or earlier, then then you might be talking about more more England caps and maybe moving on to someone else. Yeah, uh, before we just move away from Sunderland, uh, how you talk about the stadium of light there, you talk about the open bus top, well, open top bus parades, and even though you maybe didn't feel like, like you said, like you, you felt like you were what, like kind of outside looking in on that, yeah. just how because I've, I've never been to the stadium of light, um, I've never been to any games in the northeast, I don't think, apart from ones on like Wrexham's level, but you always hear about the, the Newcastle fans, the Sunderland fans, the Borough fans, and how passionate and insane they are. Like, how how were those Sunderland fans for you? The the, the Sunderland fans are, are unbelievable. Um, again, any any teams up in the northeast, I, I, I kind of equate them to sort of a Liverpool area as well. The, the same sort of types of people and and passion. The only difference probably in the northeast is it's that serious that. Um, when they're behind you, they're fantastic, but it can be difficult when when things aren't going well as well. Um, I remember some games at Stadium, like even when when the team were doing really well. If if you if, if some teams come to defend and you you're only keeping the ball or trying to move the ball across the back, and 
the, the booing starts after 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> this is this is proper sort of unforgiving football. Um, but yeah, the, the fans are, are amazing. Um, and again, big parts of, of any football club, as, as we've seen these last couple of days, um, yeah, with, yeah. with all this Super League stuff. And um, I'm lucky to have, I think, played with, 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 with teams that got fantastic supporters, Sunderland, Wrexham, Darlington fans were really good to me as well. So I can't more come for such a small crowd. The, the, the fans are so uh, embedded. It's, it's so embedded in what they do in day to day. It's uh, it's it's really it's, it's difficult to see some fans now when when they can't go to games. It's almost like they're missing a limb. I'm sure you're the same. It's, oh, uh, it, totally. It, me. And, and in Wales as well, because there was a brief spell in England where fans could go to games, but Wales it's been nothing. And and I where I'm sat now recording this, I'm all of. A five-minute walk to the race course. It's like I can see the floodlights here. It's yeah. and then you you watch the streams and it's like you, you see the ground and it's, it's like really I can be there. The it's just just around the it's corner. That's all. Any any game you watch, it's just not the same. And um, I think it, it, football's realizing now how important the fans are, which is um, which is a good thing, I guess. Um, but whether whether the fans will get more power, I don't know. But uh, but no, I've I've looked to have played in front of some great crowds and great supporters and. And Sunderland was certainly one of those as well. Yeah, and one final, final question before we get away from Sunderland, which I can't not ask. Peter Reid, um, one of the, you hear about <coughs> one of the game's great characters, and there's, I know, everybody's seen sort of Peter Reid story, and like I, I asked Macca and Mark McGregor about his time at Burnley with Gaza, and everyone's got a Gaza story, everyone's got a Glenn Little story. Any Peter Reid stories that you think of that come to mind that, um, that are suitable to share? <laughs> um I remember, I remember a trip to we. I think it was after after we won the championship. We had a we had a trip to uh, Marbella. So the club paid for a trip for us to go to Marbella. So we were all in Marbella, and um, Mickey Gray got a little bit a little bit drunk one night and um, was up in Reedy's face, calling him some names. So we, wow. we'll, we'll just leave it there. And yeah. um, and anyway, um, I I didn't drink at the time, so. Um, Reedy and, and, and Bobby were sort of saying, Wayne, you need to take him back to the hotel. And I'm kind of going, I don't really want to go back to the hotel, not with what with a drunk Mickey Ray taking him back. Anyway, Bawley's come over and goes, I'll take him back. Uh, so Bawley's took him back. But then um, then Reedy uh, punished him by uh, saying he had to pay for the lad's food the next night. And um, he took Mickey's card. So it was all on Mickey's credit card um, by a Peter Reed in this posh restaurant with Lamborghinis and Ferraris outside <laughs> and all sorts of, I hate to see what the bill would have been but um, it would have been a big but yeah there was no prisoners but the, it, I think the respect was always there for Reedy um, he was very much a match day manager a very much a, a motivator of players um, and when he was happy with you you knew it when he was unhappy with you you knew it as well and so you knew where you stood um, and he was, he was, he, he was fantastic. Um, and again, fantastic for the club, really. And uh, I, I was always grateful, obviously, because he signed me, you see. Um, and yeah, I would have liked to have gone better, but he was, uh, he was the one that gave me that opportunity. Yeah. Well, you had a, a couple of loan spells at that time, but when you did finally make the permanent move, which is the Darlington, who you'd been on at loan, um, I think it was early that season or the, the season before. Um, what was it? Why, uh, why Darlington? I mean, obviously they were, uh, by all accounts, a great club. 
Um, obviously had the troubles years later. Um, and like you said, the fans there seem like a really great bunch. But uh, what what was it about Darlington that sold you to him then? Were there any other clubs in at the time as well? Um, initially, um, I just needed games. So when I was at Sun, I just needed some games. And um, I think it was, it was either Bobby Saxon or Adrian Heath come to me and sort of said, you know, you've got an opportunity to go to Darlington. Um they want you for the weekend, the live on Sky on Sunday. I think we played Peter live on Sky. So I think this was the Friday. So I, I would have got an opportunity to train with them, I think, on the Saturday and then play on the Sunday. So I was kind of like, yeah, do you know what? Um, I've had I've had not much game time, certainly first team wise. I need to sort of get myself out there and enjoy my football again. So yeah, let's go for it. And it was probably the best long spell you could you could wish for, really. Great set of lads going for promotion. I scored on my debut in that Sky game um, to make it two nil, um, and I just it. I was just I was just me again. I was just back to being me again, sort of the me that was at Wrexham and feeling free to run past players and 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 enjoy my football. And it it was fantastic. And it was it was almost like yeah, I'm I'm back type thing. I think I scored three in my first six games or something like that, and um, everything was going well. Um, there was talks of permanent move, but they couldn't afford to, to pay the fee. And um, at that time, I didn't want to go from Sunderland because I thought I wanted one, that one last chance to have another go at it. But this this loan spell was really good for me to go, do you know what? You can still play. Whereas I was doubting myself. And it was kind of like, you know what? You, you, you've still got the ability to, to do it. And I think the reason I ended up going there permanently was because um, I had a loan spell at Halifax the season after. Um, under Paul Bracewell, um, which went well as well. I enjoyed that one. Played a little bit deeper. Played as a played as a wing back in that one, which was an interesting one for me. Again, for my sort of development as a player, it was an interesting one to play in a different position. Um, but we still have freedom to, freedom to go forwards. But then after that, it was um, it was I was kind of getting to the point because I signed a four year deal, and then it was the be- very beginning of my fourth season, and it was kind of like I'm not going anywhere now. But, Whereas before, in the, in, with the loan spell at Darlington, I was going to, you know, I'm going to give it another go. I was at the point where, you know, I was like, I need to go. I need to go permanently now. Um, and um, I kind of just went, again, the, the school of thought would be go from Premier League straight to drop down a little bit and then a little bit further. But I would have had to wait to drum up a little bit more interest and I kind of wanted to go then. So whether it was the right decision to go straight from Premier League down to uh, Division three or whatever it was at the time, I don't know. But I'd had a really good experience at Darlington with the players, the staff, the fans. The fans were fantastic, um, and I, I just craved that again. So that's why I ended up going there. And to be fair, again, I can't I can't regret it because I had seven fantastic seasons there with uh, with with a fantastic support. Who when I when I played, I always played to please people so coming into the Wrexham team when things are going well and the, and the crowd are, are cheering and, and chanting your name even 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 if they were chant Wally was, uh, <laughs> was was great and again I, I craved that throughout my career whether it's whether it's ego whether it's not I don't know but it was kind of that's what got me going that's what gave me the buzz that's what gave me the excitement to play and and I got that at Darlington I got that from the fans and if things weren't going well for me and I was I was maybe been dropped they'd be clamouring for me to, to come on the pitch. When I'd come on, there'd be big cheers and all of a sudden you feel 10 foot tall and you feel 
like a player again. Um, and it is just, it's, it's that, that's why, again, that's why I made the move. Cause it was kind of like, you know what? It, it's a fit. It fits me. And, and it fit me at the time. And as I say, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my whole time there. Yeah. I, I think like, cause you had, there was the loan spell, there was the long spell and then there was another spell. So in three, in this three spells, I think it's over, over 250 games you played there. So that's a, yeah, that's a yeah, lot of the games. Last, the last spell, um, was when they were when they were struggling for money and I'd yeah. kind of I'd kind of finished. So I'd kind of finished playing. So um I played with Lids, Craig Little, um, and he was the manager at the time and he kind of I'd just done my knee. I'd well, I'd done my knee and I'd been out for three months, but I'd done it in like a charity playing a charity game. So I wasn't playing like football. Um and he called me up. I'd literally had one training session and he said, We need players, we can't sign anyone, we can only sign free agents and under 18s because of the money. Do you want to come and help me out? And I was kind of like, do you know what? Again, I don't know if it was ego kicking in or what, but I thought, do you know what? It'd be great to just hear me name and get chanted again, just one more time. And it was, it was, it was fantastic. I wasn't, I wasn't the me of old and I wasn't quite as sharp and as, as quick, but I went back there for three months, played about 12, 12, 13 games, I think, or something like that. In a bit of pain. My knee was all right, but my calves yeah. were going and stuff. So it was, um, it was it was great to be able to do that. So kind of like you know the what, what I spoke about before of not being able to you know almost say goodbye when I left Wrexham. That was kind of my my farewell, not just to sort of Darlington, but my career as well. So it was a nice sort of fitting end, really. Yeah, and but like I said, that that was like the the bulk of your career was played at Darlington. What was say I don't know picking the middle of that main Darlington run or towards the end when. I guess when you'd be hitting what be classed as your peak, what was the difference between that Neil Wainwright and the Neil Wainwright that broke into the Wrexham first team as a what nineteen year old kid? Um, the the Wrexham Wainwright, um, I would say, is the best one because I had no fear, I had no, um, I just played, I just played yeah. football. Whereas when I'm older. There's all sorts of other things to think about, and 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 but I literally just went, and and again, that's partly down to the staff. The staff allowed me to play like that. I was like to Joey and Kev and, and and Brian Flynn. It was um, I was I was just again just just kind of me playing playing football, and and it was there was just pure utter joy doing it, and yeah, I'd make mistakes, but it kind of wasn't that important. I was making mistakes. And it was it was kind of more important than it was I was doing some really good stuff as well. And I was vibrant, I was sharp, I was closing people down where other people wouldn't close people down because you think what's the point in doing that? Yeah. And 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 that'd be me later on in my career, possibly <laughs> towards the end. So you know, yeah. no, I'm not gonna bother closing him down. But um yeah, it was that was that was kind of kind of me really. Um and to sort of bottle that me. And combine it with the me of now, who's now been coaching for sort of eight or nine years, I think you get a really, really good player. I've <laughs> <laughs> not quite got that pace anymore, though. that's a problem. No, no. That, that was explosive pace back then. It was, it was, it was just refreshing to see. Uh, but with uh, with Darlington, one thing to touch on, because uh, this is the this podcast is the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast, so it's obviously Wrexham-driven, Wrexham-based. Um, but what happened there with the club, for the people that maybe weren't aware, with the, the financial difficulties, and obviously they, they end up having to be wound up, and, and Wrexham ourselves was so close to something similar happened. So what, what was the situation there? Yeah, basically, the sort of, um, sort of bad investment, I guess. Um, they built a new stadium. Uh, George Reynolds built a new stadium. And he kind of, along with that, was uh, expecting to be able to build on the land around it 
and be able to use it for car boot sales and for concerts and all sorts of these plans. But those plans were never okay by the, the council at the time and they were never going to be okay by the council at the time. So again, that was kind of the crux of where it's all started to go wrong. And then obviously different owners with possibly not the interests of Darlington uh, to hand after that. And it kind of just got worse and worse and worse really. And then to the point where the, where the, the club literally really nearly did go out of existence. Yeah, it's technically in, uh, restarted in a new name, but all in all, they're still Darlington Football Club now. It's just, um, it was sad. It was really, really sad again, because I was, when it, when it, when they did eventually go, um, it was, it was at that last spell that I was, I was there. So I, I kind of saw it, saw it go to, to the wire kind of thing, yeah. relegate and then and relegate down four divisions after that or whatever it was. And it was, it was sad. And it's, it's not good to see certainly the club I loved and the club I played for for so many years, but any club, like I said, Barry, we've seen it with Barry recently. Yeah. It's, it's not just about football clubs. It's about whole communities and people and, and, and years and years of history. And it's, really sad and that's why it's it's amazing to see what's currently happening with Wrexham and 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 hopefully that sort of we'll look back in five years and go that's that's the catalyst to what's what's put us where where we are now and it's hopefully quite quite an alive position in 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 the football league yeah you don't know know where it's going to go you could soar absolutely soar couldn't you but so hopefully that'll be a good thing and that's the exciting thing for Wrexham fans I think just, just not the National League. That's all I'm asking. It's like that's, I, 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 it's easy to think of like, yeah, in five years we're going to be pushing on to maybe getting a championship and all's going to be great, or we might even be in the chat. But I, like right now, it's just, just get me out of this National League. That's, it's, it's, it, it's a difficult one. You saw, yeah. you've seen the amount of money put into some of the clubs down the years. Um, I think Boris Green had a massive budget when they were in yeah. the conference. Fleetwood, uh, Crawley before that. Yeah. Fleetwood, the Fleetwood one where we were top at Christmas and ended up getting, I think it was 98 points. And Fleetwood went out in the January and just picked, shall picked everybody's best players, totally fell off from yeah. us. We, because it's only one automatic promotion spot, then you end up in the playoffs and the playoffs haven't been too kind to Wrexham. That's, that's, that's a difficult thing, isn't it? And again, you've had some big clubs in there. So you like the Luton yeah. Towns and Bristol Rovers were there and Leighton Orient and, Again, it just it just shows how difficult it is. Now, if you'd if you'd have said to me all that time ago that Wrexham would be uh, out of the league for so long, I'd have, I'd have laughed in your face. But it it's, uh, it is. It's just so difficult to get back out of that league. And hopefully, maybe this season we'll see. Maybe. But, um, um, hopefully, we uh, we can certainly see some some improvements next year with with the investment that's been put in anyway. I remember the the sense of optimism after the very first game in, in the National League where it was one of those like typical opening game of the season at the race course where it's all sunny and bright and the, the pitch looks like a million dollars. And we're playing Stevenage, who have been this big talked up team with money behind them, very much fancy to be the favourites promotion. And we turned them over 5-0. With, with 10 men, we turned them over 5-0. And it was like, right, this is going to be easy. And then just, no. Not, not so much so. Then we got turned over, yeah. I think, by Accrington, maybe. That's a, that's, well, that's the thing nowadays. I think it, um, as the years progress, the levels and quality of, of, of each division go up. So, yeah. League Two quality is better than it has been in recent years. But certainly the, the conference is is almost it's almost very, very similar to League Two, in my opinion, certainly the quality of teams in there. I think if you put a few of the top teams in there now, they, would, they wouldn't struggle too badly. Yeah. Uh, and again, you look at the teams that are down there now. You've got Grimsby. Grimsby are struggling. They look like they're they've almost gone with with a few games to go. So, again, you've got another 
decent side and another big big side going out out of the football league and again potentially South End as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive one, South End. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what was uh, before we get onto like the questions from the fans here? You kind of well, you said you're at Morecambe now doing some coaching there with the academy. You had a, a dabble in management as a, was it co-manager, player man, co co player co-manager. I guess it'd be would it be at Lancaster Play, City. Player co-manager, yeah, that was an experience that one. Um, I think it was about three or four months. Um, I kind of went there just to uh, to play, just to just to be locally. There was, I think, I was getting sixty quid to go and play, and it was kind of like you know what, I'll just go and play some football. And then um, I think the chairman was in charge, and he kind of kind of didn't want to do it. So he was like, because I was sort of, I had a little bit of an injury and I kind of sort of led from the sideline. Yeah. And kind of like, oh, do you know, I quite like this. And he sort of said to me and uh, another guy, Michael Stringfellow, who, who I ended up doing a job with, do you fancy doing a job? And we were kind of like, do you know what? Let's give it a bit of a go. Um, and I'd say for three or four months, I enjoyed bits of it, but it kind of put me off managing because I'm thinking, it was well, it was part time. We're only training Tuesday and Thursday nights, but I was literally again. I spoke to my missus. I was literally never off the phone. I'm quite bad now, but I was never off the phone. Um, and it was kind of like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is this is a viable thing. And then there was a few things going on behind the scenes with a few directors and things. And I'm thinking for sixty quid, this is not worth the hassle that, yeah. that I'm going through here. And then further down the line, I'm going. I'm not sure. If I was a manager even at a league club, I could deal with defeats because they mean too much to me as a manager. I think I'd take it on board a little bit too much. And then that's affecting everything at home and stuff. So, so yeah, youth football is where I think I'm meant to be as a coach. And I think and, and I enjoy it. And at the minute, I'm head of coaching for the academy. So uh, a lot of that's for progression of coaches and, and helping their their improvements and getting their badges and stuff, which is, uh, which, which is enjoyable. Yeah. Um, right. Some quick questions here then. Um, the, the first two are just from me. As in, was there ever, the first one is, was there ever any chance of you coming back to Wrexham over the years? Did that ever rear its head, even as a slight possibility? Not that I knew of. No, no, nothing yeah. I've heard. Um, I always enjoy coming back. Um, I think I came back for one game. I think it was an FA Cup game. It was an FA Cup game. And um, I think someone had told me, it was when Dennis Smith was in charge. And apparently in the press conference the day before, um, someone had asked him a question about me and they'd said something like uh, um, have you got plans to deal with me or something along those lines and he kind of said well um, yeah sometimes when, when he plays well he plays well but um, more often than not he's, he's rubbish or something like that Oof. or he's not very good and it's kind of like right okay <laughs> <laughs> and I think we won I think we won 2-0 and, and we just changed formation I came away going to you know what happy days but it was weird. It was always weird going back. I think I went back three, maybe three, maybe four times as an opponent. And it was it was quite strange each time. Really quite strange. Yeah. Um, and one of the loan spells you did have at one point was a brief spell at Shrewsbury. Uh, now, how did they yeah. take to you being ex-Rexham? Did they, did they pick up on that? Was it a thing? The fans? That was a, that was a weird loan spell, that one. That was a weird loan spell. Um, yeah, the, no one really picked up on it, I don't think. Not, the, not that I knew of. Not that I... Um, not that I heard, um, but yeah, it was. I went there, and the manager said to me, first game, he said, "I'm going to bring you on at half time." I said, "Half time." So well, what if, what if we're winning like three 0 or whatever? 
he went, oh, no, I'm definitely bringing you on at half-time. I'm sure enough he brought me on at half-time. I think it was nil-nil at the time. I just thought it was the most bizarre thing ever. What, what, if, what if things were flying? Would he still brought me on? I think he, I think he actually yeah. would have. And then one of the games was against Darlington, so I couldn't have played. And one was a cup game, so I was cup-tied. So I think I ended up playing like two and a half games in a loan spell. I had a, a bit yeah. of a groin injury at the time as well. And then that was it. <laughs> Not a successful one, I don't think. No, that, that totally reminds me of a, a manager I had in um, obviously way lower level on uh, like a seven-side uh, league. And it got to a point where he, he'd had this thing of like, right, it was me and another lad uh, in centre mid. And it was like, we don't play one centre mid because it's only sevens. And it was like, right, well, if you start this game, you're going off at half time because he's coming on. And if he starts the game, and that was it, we'd only, and there'd be like times where I'd be the one on the bench and like the other lad would be playing really well. It's like, I, I don't want to come on, he's playing really well. No, that's it, that's the rules. Like, but you're making this rule, it's ridiculous. But what, but it just. Well, it's, well, it's kind of what we do in academy football because they have to play a certain amount of time. So you have to play yeah. a certain amount of minutes. So it's kind of what we do, but it was done at first team. That was really strange. Really strange. Yeah, it's like you, you bag a couple of goals, and you'd be like, you, you'd be the one hooked at half time. So like, yeah, <laughs> idiot. Um, right, some uh, some questions have come in on Twitter. Uh, Barry Ellison wants to know what was the best game you played at Wrexham. I don't mean if that means for Wrexham or at Wrexham. In case I don't maybe that Darlington yeah. one you're on about. I know what Baz, I know what Baz is on about. We used to do uh, when we were apprentices. We used to Barry was an apprentice with us at Wrexham, and we used to. Uh, I remember this was the question. There was a, an extra little comment on it that I didn't include because I wasn't sure what, what it was about. I thought it might not be best to, to touch it. <laughs> it was something a little bit dodgy. Now, what we used to do because we had we had jobs at the racecourse, so um, you had the you had the big washing machine, the big dryer, and then you had the kit room with all the pigeonholes in. So we used to have because we'd be there from like. From training from nine o'clock in the morning till really, really late, especially if um, David Rhodes was checking our jobs because he was, uh, if he was in a bad mood, he'd keep it till five o'clock. So <laughs> it basically, we used to make up our own game. So we had a little game where we'd have a, a kit basket and you'd have one bounce to put the ball in and come back out and keep putting it on. You get points for certain things. And then we had another game where you had to put the, uh, the ball in the pigeonholes and it had to stay in. So you get a point every time it stayed in. And whoever was on kit with you, you'd, you'd play the games. And then every now and again, you'd get some more lads coming down and playing. And then, uh, then Marlene would kick off because uh, there was too much noise going on or we'd break something. So. <laughs> but actual game, actual game, it's got to be my first one. Blackpool away. Blackpool away. That sounds like a good choice, to be fair. Um, that's, that's one that lives long in, in the Wrexham fans' memories from, from that point in time. Uh, Steve Carlton was asking about Andy Marriott, which we've, Covered that already. Um, <laughs> Steve Jones mentioned that you always supplied a good PA box biscuit. Um, I think he's on the, the Rexman announced team. Um, and then we've got a load of questions here from Red Passion. This is where it gets into food territory. I guess biscuits okay. are food territory. Um, yeah, biscuits are food, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, what, uh, what I used to do, I always when I wasn't playing, I'd always pop into the little booth where the announcer was. Oh, uh, just by the tunnel, yeah, as it used to be in the yeah. paddock, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'd always it'd be almost like a little match day ritual and then I end up bringing some biscuits in and we'd have a chat and then watch them do the stuff on the scoreboard it was quite fun um, before the game and then watch the game and then come back in and have a little chat and it was really good really good that's, that's what's a good thing about football is you meet some fantastic people and you have some really good experience not just on the pitch but away from it as well yeah yeah um, and Crooks on uh, on Red Passion was asking uh, do you wish you stayed at Wrexham for first team football or even gone elsewhere for first team football rather than take that big jump to Sunderland at the time. In hindsight, I guess it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I guess yeah. Weighing up on that, either I'm, I'm split myself. To be fair, I guess I'll still say 
there's that decision where would it have come again? I don't yeah. know whether that chance would have come again. So I'd have to take that opportunity. But yeah, I really would have liked to play for Wrexham for a few more years because it's a fantastic club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so split on that. I'll sit on the fence on that one. It's one of them where, like, I mean, obviously, as a Wrexham fan, I'd love for you to have stayed along for another few fair few more years. But there is that thing of it's a big opportunity at that point in time. A team that had nearly got into the Premier League will get into the Premier League. So I, I don't think anyone can hold it against you in, in that regard. Um, but kind of tied to that, next question's from Harry Potter on, on Red Passion. I'm Interest. Really... Yeah. Um, <laughs> who is asking, Did because obviously you were there in the system for four years, uh, two as an apprentice, two in the first team as a, as a pro. Um, but Wrexham wasn't, it wasn't like you'd been at the club for, well, like through all the youth ranks as it were. So uh, Harry Potter is asking, did you see the club as a stepping stone? Um, did you always know you'd go on to play at a higher level? Um, but did you expect it to be so soon that you go on to play at that higher level? No, it was. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't think of it as a stepping stone. I just wanted to become a professional footballer, and I just wanted to. Again, I, I never, I never foresaw that move coming. My, my goal was always to become a professional footballer. Once I was an apprentice, I wanted to play for Wrexham, um, and I wanted to be beyond, beyond that pitch playing for Wrexham. And again, that I guess me doing well initially and bursting on the scene, I'm sure my pace helped. It helped me to get a move, luckily. Um, but it was um, no, it was never. It was never to go. Do you know what? I've got this plan to go here and then move on to there and then move on to there. Yes, as a young player, I'm sure if you're given the opportunity, you play as high as you can. But um, and that was certainly the case when the move came about. But no, it was never in my thoughts to use the club as a stepping stone or or even have a thought of um, playing the Premier League or Championship at that time. It was just kind of be a professional. It was just, it, it, it went in stages for me. So a little bit of rejection of crew um, because I was quite small. Mick Buxton came in, uh, signed me at Wrexham, signed as an apprentice. There's, there's, my, there's my achievement. Where's my next one? It's become a pro. When Brian Flynn told me uh, in, in, the, uh, in the office at the end of the season that he was going to offer me a professional contract, amazing, brilliant. And then the next step is then just trying to get, become a professional football and get on that pitch got on the pitch, made my debut, brilliant. And then that's just how I thought. I didn't really think ahead, I didn't have a plan. It was just, it was just that's how it was. And again, I guess that's how it was described as a whirlwind before with, with, with yourself, when you use those words, but it was kind of, that's kind of, again, I had no plan, no process, but that's just how it happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, a question here that's kind of relevant, but maybe not relevant now because of how the, the mad last two days have been, uh, from Moyen Keep the Faith, Omri Passion again. If you were playing yeah. now, for example, Newcastle in the Premier League, how would you feel about the European Super League? Obviously, when this question was typed, it's it was still a thing. At the moment, it's still technically a thing because as of this recording, I think there's four clubs still in it. None of the, the, the English teams are, are supposedly in it now. So it's, and who knows by the time this podcast goes out, what the crack will be with, with the Super League. But what would you have thought about that if you were playing in the Premier League? I'd have hated it. I absolutely hated it because yeah. what you've got is, um, because they're trying to replace the Champions League. So they're all going to remove themselves from the Champions League and then go and play in the European Super League. So, even if you were to go, yeah, the European Super League is is all the best teams. Even if you liked that concept, which is horrendous without promotion or relegation, it just leaves the whole domestic leagues pointless. It just makes everything 
irrelevant. So whether they're those teams are still in it or, or or not in it. So if those teams are playing the Super League and they're still in the Premier League, you might get a seventh place team playing in the Champions League, or and or if those teams had gone from the from the from the Premier League, it just it's just not the same. It's just not the same in terms of or if the Champions League's done away with and there's no qualification for the Champions League and there's no top four, then all of a sudden there's loads of teams playing from for virtually nothing. It just didn't make just make any sense to me in terms of any sort of resemblance of of, of competition. So again, a lot of these owners are American and they don't like relegation because they don't like failure. But there's got to be failure in sport and in competition, otherwise you won't have success. My dog's making an appearance now. <laughs> See, uh, my, my cat was trying to get in before. I, I've, I've kind of I've shut the door. I've put her, yeah, I've blocked it off. So she can't get in, but I just say it's like scratching just because she's pain in the ass. When she wants to, <laughs> to be fair, we've done all right because he, he's he, every time a car goes past around about this time, he's normally he's normally whining and thinks it's me missing. So um, we've done all right so far. <laughs> right, I'll try and get his wrapped up so it's just in time for the missus getting back. Um, Colonel, well, she'll be in the bath, don't worry. Oh, all right. Okay, just hiding somewhere, leaving you to leaving you to this obviously very important uh, video call and, and audio call we're doing. Um, Colonel D, Armour of Passion. There's, I, I guess this one's kind of been covered already. But if you've got any extra thoughts, obviously fire away. Uh, Blackpool away was one of your best games for us. Uh, what do you remember about it? So, anything else you want to add on on the Blackpool game? Um, I just, uh, I, I really, re- I remember, um, I remember scoring it, and then I remember we, I think we were in the next day, obviously with. Um, there being lots of games around Christmas time. I think we must have been within the next day, whatever day it was. I don't even know what day it would have been. And we were at the training ground. I'm going, oh my God, I can't wait to watch the highlights in the training ground when everyone's there. It's going to be brilliant. And um, they turn the telly on and it just cut out before <laughs> before the game <laughs> came on. And everyone's going, oh, I'm not going to get the seagull. Then it came back on and then just sitting in there, just watching it again, just made it all the more kind of surreal it was kind of like wow yeah it was, it was amazing well, how was it in the changing room after the game then as, as this the, the young whippersnapper as it was what well, you'd be 18 uh, maybe 19 by then how was that to go into that dressing room knowing not only have you made your debut you've come on and won the game right to the death what was the reaction from all the lads then do you know what i have absolutely no recollection of the changing room <laughs> The only the only thing I remember is obviously again watching it back as well. Oh, sure. Oh, there we is go. The, um, is the uh, the reaction of the players on the pitch? It was uh, it was just amazing. Obviously, last minute winners are brilliant. But I, I watch it back and I look at Maka's face and Maka's almost like surprised, but <laughs> celebrating at the same time. It's it's great. But no, I don't I don't recall uh, any sort of celebration in the changing room or anything or anything from the changing room afterwards. I'm sure there was some. Great words from from Joey and and, and the staff, but um, no, I, I, probably just one of those things where it's just completely just blown my mind. Yeah. Um, Yesty on Repassion has asked, um, who did you play with in the youth team that didn't make it, but you thought that they either could have made it or should have made it? Really? Ooh, there's some really good players in the mm. youth team. To be fair, um, yeah, um, there are a few Scouse boys who who, who kind of never made that step up. Two seconds, just let him out. <laughs> the joys. Um, yeah, um, Terence Brown was a really, really good footballer, I thought. Terence was a, a Scouse kid who was a who was also a winger. Um, he was kind of the opposite type of winger to me, so he was kind of more sort of 
um, not pace, but more sort of one-twos and, and little clever passes in, in and around people and, and nutmegging people and going around that way. But he's, he's a really good little footballer with Terry. But um, I think, I don't know whether it would be possibly, yeah, looking back now, I, I couldn't tell you why he never made it further on, whether it be with my coach's head on, it might be, who knows, temperament, uh, psychology, or it might be, um, might just been physicality and size. But um, no, we had some really good players within the youth team, to be fair. And again, some of them in our sort of WhatsApp group, aren't they? Some of the regular legends group. So, yeah. like I said, Bob Morris and um, Andy Griffiths and David Walsh and Julian Pepper and people like that. All, all really, really good footballers. Uh, Gareth Wilson, Andrew Thomas. You could go on. There's loads of good footballers. And again, it's um, quite a few of them go on to play at, uh, in, in, the, in the Welsh National League. So, um, they've, all, they've all had a decent little career so it's, it's, it's good to see but no we had some we had some cracking little players we had some great times youth team players great times yeah. um, some of the more random questions that we're getting to now um, this is where the food kind of kicks in a little bit from yeah um, Matt W on Red Passion's got two questions here uh, the first one during your time at Kendall which you're at on loan I believe is it or was that permanent Kendall yeah oh it was very brief that yeah that was right. just after I'd, I'd left Morecambe that one yeah right you can ask about mint cake Yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. The, the question was, did, yeah, did you hear anyone actually refer to the club as the Mint Cakes, or is that just a nickname that got used in the local newspapers? No, they are, no, they are referred to as the Mint Cakes, to be fair. Um, I don't think I've actually ever eaten Kendall Mint Cake, but um, no, it's uh, yeah, they are the Mint Cakes. Okay. We had a game last night against them. Our youth team played them last night, actually. Oh right, okay. So that's 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 that that's confirmed. Then the mint cakes is is a real thing. Uh, and the, yeah, the second question from Matt is: You had a spell on loan at Halifax. So do you prefer? This is kind of testing your music knowledge. I think. Do you prefer the Shaman or the nineties pop rave act? The Shaman. These are good and um, forever people. Yeah. I think was your tune. I was never a fan of the Shaman as in the band. So yeah, I'd prefer the Halifax. <laughs> Yeah, I, I told you these questions were going to get weird. To be fair, that, that was quite a, it was an interesting, again, a, quite a memorable um, loan spell for me because um, my wife was pregnant with my first daughter at the time. So it was back in, it would have been 2001, it would have been 2001. And um, we stayed there in a flat over Christmas and when she was heavily pregnant. So it was, it was, uh, it was all very, very bizarre and weird and snowing and some of the memories you get are just, just strange, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> you yeah. look back, but yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's from Wayne, 1983. Is it tea or is it dinner? I'm presuming the evening meal, tea or dinner? Oh, it's uh, evening meal. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's tea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd go with that. And also on that one, there was a, a Sugden Red uh, chimed in to say that you grew up in Sugden, so it would be, definitely would be tea. So, yeah, it's definitely tea. tea. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, Oswestry Red. Now, this this one for me is the make or break one. This is the big one. Uh, this one you're talking about before, is it? It is. It is. This this is this is the big one. So forget all your footballing career. Forget the the things you've done, the clubs you played for. This is the, the most important question. Say, it's, I'll set the stage. It's just Sunday morning. You've got a bacon butty, red sauce or brown sauce? Um, on bacon. Yeah. Red. Oh, disappointing. I should have asked this the, right at the beginning. I could have stopped the interview. <laughs> to be fair, I would go red or brown on, on bacon, but I'd definitely go red on sausage. Okay. Ooh, I, 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 I wouldn't mind going either way on bacon, but uh, sausage has definitely got to be red. 
You sound like it's very political, that, that bacon answer. It, it is. <laughs> and, and, and I'd also like to add an egg as well, to be fair. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. egg and brown sauce with the bacon. That, that'd be my thing. Yeah. So we've yeah. got that answer. Um, um, one, to bring it back to football, Prodigal Dragon had got in touch to ask, uh, what's your biggest football in regret? Biggest football in regret? Or is there one? I don't believe in regrets. Um, there's things you'd maybe look at and go and look at it down two roads and go, what would happen if I'd done this? But again, as I, as I said earlier on, I think we are the products of, of our decisions in our lives and I'm quite happy where I am now. So yes, as I mentioned before, potentially the good side of, of maybe staying at Wrexham and, and would have given me some, a couple more great years would have been brilliant but I wouldn't have turned down that opportunity again. So I think I'd made the same decision. And, and again, with any sort of decisions, good or bad within my life, I think they throw up different things, don't they? So they throw up different experiences and, and, and different times within your life. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe in regrets. Yeah. Um, um, one Wrexham player that you wish you could have played with that you never got the chance from or before your time, after your time, somewhere, somewhere you've either seen him from the stand or on the TV and thought, ah, it would have been good to play with him at the race course. Ooh. Uh, probably Truns, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably Truns. Um, I would say probably, probably from sort of my time. Obviously, trained with him and stuff. I don't think I, I don't think I actually played in a game with Benno. Or I had to play with Benno. Um, same with Yozza. Um, I don't think I played. Certainly not first team game with Yozza. So, yeah, them sorts of players. Um, again, we look back on all these players. All these players are named. They're great players, aren't they? Yeah, to play with excellent, fantastic players. Yeah, yeah. And now just to wrap it up, this is the the big bit now. This is where you've got to probably offend a lot of players, and you've got to pick your your all time Wrexham eleven from your time at the club. No pressure, mate. It's, no pressure. It's tough. It's tough. So, yeah, in goal. Well, going back to our earlier conversation, I've gone with our lopsided formation that I played in. So I've gone okay. three midfielders and one winger. Um. There's a few contentious positions, I've got to say. There's a few I'm still not sure on. But uh, Andy, I've gone Andy Marriott in goal. Um, Maka right back. Tony Humes and Brian Carey centre-halves. Uh, left back. Left back was tough. Left back was really tough. I've gone Phil Hardy, but I really, really like playing with, with, with Darren Brace. I really, really like playing with Del Boy. Um, so Del Boy's just missing out. But I don't think I can leave Phil Hardy out, to be fair. Um, midfield, I've gone... So the three, I've gone for Peter Ward as... You sit in midfield player or the deeper one of the three um, with Gareth Owen and Wayne Phillips. Um, I'm so close, to, I'm so close to putting Rooster in. I'm so close yeah. to putting Rooster in. But um, yeah, I could quite easily change that tomorrow and put Rooster in. But um, no, I think you're getting a good blend there because Gaz got great quality and well, they all three have got great quality, but um, they bring different bits, different energies and. Wayne could run all day as well, which is which is great for certainly yeah. if you certainly if you're only playing with one winger, and uh, the one winger is Carl Connolly. All right, uh, okay. I was going to play him up top, but I wanted to play. Um, I've got Robbo in there up to up top because um, I I love playing with Robbo. He was because uh, we played together in the youth team and we kind of had a really good understanding. Um, certainly when I was on the left hand side, I knew if I, if I had a man tight marking me or putting pressure on me and you could just toss it around the corner and, and, and be into Rob only make it stick. Yeah. And he'd yeah. make it stick and lay someone off or I'd go inside myself and get it back off him. Um, so he was, he was really good to play with. And then again, 
Benno's in there. But you've got to put Benno in there. So Benno, Benno and Neil Roberts up front. Um, but Watko's very unlucky, isn't he? Yeah, very. That. Well, so that's... Watko's in my brackets there. So Watko, Rooster and, and Delboy, very close. In fact, there's loads more, but them, them three in particular were very close to my team. So, yeah, um, that's why I went for that formation. So I was going to go for a load of midfield players, but I thought, no, in order to get them strikers in, I've got to put Carl on the left. <laughs> nice. That, that's a, a very good team, though. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't put yourself in. It's, it's an option. Mark McGregor did. Yeah, no, I, again, I didn't, well, Macca's reasoning was that no one else will pick him. I don't think anyone else <laughs> will pick me either because I wasn't there very long. But no, I just, um, I'm picking it. So it's my team. So I guess yeah. uh, if I was if I was to play in it, I could always sub myself on. But no, and so to put that team together, yeah. It was hard enough leaving people out. I thought it's easy to leave me out, I think. <laughs> you want to friend yourself. That's that's the way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, exactly. Well, thanks so much for giving up so much time. This has been, it's been a long one. So I thought, I thought Macca was going to be the longest one we'll probably do for a long time. And this has gone even longer than that. Oh, I definitely talk too much. I definitely talk too much. No, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. It's, it makes my job easier. Um, thanks for everybody sending questions as well. That's that massively appreciated. Um, but yeah, this, this will be, as you listen to this, be sure to subscribe, like, comment. If, you, if you're watching it on YouTube, subscribe and, and make a review. If you listen to it on any of the usual podcast platforms, which it should all be on by now. Um, but yeah, this has been episode three of the Rex and Legends Lounge. Uh, Neil Wainwright, thanks so much for giving, us up, giving up so much of your time. Um, and be well, mate. Top man, Andy. Love it. Rex is the name. Rex.